Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. They don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player for another ceremony. Like, no, no. Like Now... To your hosts. All right, Red Sox fans, Red Sox beat on CLNS. CLNS, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of New England professional sports. Of course, you can follow CLNS on social media. The new Twitter handle is at CLNS Media. Of course, you can still search CLNS fans for on Facebook. Don't forget to download the CLNS uh, free mobile podcast app on Android or iOS. So search, uh, C- I believe it still is CLNS Radio in the App Store. So search that uh, and you will find the CLNS app as well. You can listen to all the shows. We are at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook is Red Sox beat podcast. Uh, Red Sox coming off a great series against the Cubs. Um, and you know what? I was right for once. So that was always nice. Um, Lauren Cable, Jess Thomas, aside me, what's going on, guys? Just, I'm sure you're basking in your your correct prediction. It so never happens. Congratulations it never happens on your one ever. series that you come from. <laughs> so, I'll take it. it. It probably it probably won't happen again this season. So enjoy nope. it. I'll take but... it. Yeah, enjoy it. It's a good feeling. But <laughs> congratulations. And Jess was wrong. Even better. So that's how. That's wait though, too. how did you? Wait, wait, wait. How did you correct it? I can't even talk. <laughs> How did you predict it correctly if the first game of the Yankee series got rained out? Does that make you wrong? I predicted the Cubs series. Oh, okay. Which I'll take a half victory. Not one series. Care. I'll accept the series win. Lame. I don't care. I'm That's not... when you know you're lame when you in... get a half victory. No, I just don't take pride in all my <laughs> victories. Um, right, okay, so the, the the week did obviously start with a rain out uh, against the Yankees. You lose the next two. Um just let's let's start with the recap. Let's get people caught up. Obviously, no one has time to watch as much baseball as we do. Uh, so catch the people up on what happened this week. I'm assuming people can't watch baseball, are you? <laughs> okay, it's a lot of baseball to be able to watch every single game. It is, but less with the off day and a rain out back to back. Two days off in a row. It was like it's like what happened to baseball. It's amazing when there's a couple of days off. What that does. Anyway, so first game of the week was on Wednesday. 
Uh, this was a three to one loss to the Yankees. This was a another case of the lack of run support for star- ace starters, <laughs> which has been a, quite a trend. Uh, Rick Porcello started this game against uh, Luis Severino, and uh, Porcello pitched fine. Six and two-thirds, five hits, three runs, only two earned. Did have four walks, but countered it with nine strikeouts. And uh, Mr. Severino pitched seven innings, three hits, no runs. Two walks, six strikeouts. So, as well as Porcello pitched, Severino pitched better. And uh, the Sox could only scrape out four runs. Sorry, four hits. Uh, only one run, which is in the ninth inning. They waited all the way to the end to even get one measly run. It was a Chris Young ground out to score Andrew Benintendi. They got a little something going in the in the late inning. Um there was a chance to, to win the game uh, just to go through the inning. Ben Attendee walked, and uh, Betts doubled to left center to get second and third with no outs. Uh, Chris Young drove in the run. That was how it scored. Betts went to third in a wild pitch, and Hanley walked. But Jackie Bradley Jr. struck out, and then Josh Rutledge crushed the ball to left. That could have been a game-winning three-run homer, but it was just foul. He ended up striking out against Chapman, and that was the ball game. 3-1 uh, to one was the final. Um I mean, same old story, right? Porcello pitched good enough to win most games, but when you don't score until the ninth inning, kind of hard to win. Yeah, it's super, super frustrating because, like you said, he pitched well, and, you know, Rutledge looked like that ball was out of there. I was at that game, and it's so frustrating to watch a good game like that, watch a game like Rick Porcello pitched, and just kind of have it go to waste. And I'm still anxiously waiting for this offense to just show up. Yeah, I mean, you said it, Lauren. This is this is the anxiously waiting part of the season where we're waiting for the offense to um, re- really see something come out of here. And obviously, like, you're missing David Ortiz, but, like, it's not a valid excuse. Like, you need to just be able to play consistent offense. And this lineup is talented enough to be better on offense. And this is a case in point of a game example where this team just isn't hitting, and when they start to hit, it ends up being too late. Yeah, that was definitely the case in this one, and two two errors in this game, which is going to become a, a trend this week, as we'll see. Um, they had half as many errors as hits, and twice as many errors as runs, so this game was junk. Uh, toss it out the window. Move on to Thursday. This game was also junk. So, uh, this was even worse. It was a 3 nothing loss instead of a 3-1 to one loss. This was Chris Sale versus Masahiro Tanaka, a pitcher's duel for the record books, and uh, boy, they gave it to us. Uh, Chris Sale, eight innings, eight hits, three runs, two earned, no walks, of course, 10 strikeouts, 109 pitches. But Tanaka, nine innings, three hits, no runs, no walks, three strikeouts. So not as many strikeouts, but more economical with his pitches. Only threw 97 pitches to get the complete game. It was a two-hour and 21-minute Red Sox-Yankees game, which is the shortest regulation game since 1994 between these two teams, which is crazy, but that's what happens when you have Chris Sale, who throws the ball, quicker than anybody, and Tanaka, who gives up three hits over 97 pitches. So this one was all about them. Uh, the Yankees got their runs in the fourth and the ninth. Matt Holliday hit a sack fly in the fourth to get a one nothing lead, and then there was one nothing all the way to the ninth when Holliday got an RBI single and Starling Castro got an RBI single. Uh, sale fell apart a little bit late in the game with his pitch count going up. Uh, Hanley Ramirez had two of the three hits. Xander Bogarts had the other, and that was all there was to say about this one. Yeah, there's... <laughs> There's not much to say. I mean, Nick Qualley and Adam Blue and I were doing a roundtable during this game, and we were talking about, you know, Chris Sale and not having offense, and he had just gotten his 10th strikeout, and I was like, yep, 10 strikeouts, but just going to waste. Again, going to waste. 
because Chris Sale has uh, one win on the season, and it makes you think, like, why can't we push runs across the board for Sale? Of, like, of all pitchers, he's here, and, and it worries me. Like, what if he doesn't want to be here because he's like, oh, they can't get me wins, even though I'm still cruising with my strikeouts, my ERA is really low, but it's, like you said, Jess, there's not much to say about this one, but when a 10-strikeout game goes to waste for Chris Sale, you know it's not a good one. Yeah, and, and we're going to keep talking about Chris Sale run support every week until he finally gets run support, but I don't even 100%. I mean, obviously they didn't score runs, but it was great to see. I mean, you know, I'm not surprised, but after the game, Chris Sale and brought it up, and when they asked about it, he said, you know what, like, that doesn't matter to me. Like, I, I made mistakes that cost my team this game, and he pitched well for the majority of this game. He was still taking blame for the loss, even though it really, in my eyes, was the offense's fault. Even with the, the mistakes he made at the end, this game was so winnable for this team if they just scored runs for Chris Sale, and it never happens. And I'm kind of hey, he's all <laughs> He's all about the accountability. He's just like, I don't care what happens on offense. I got to be better. I got to pitch better, which is funny because he's pitching unbelievable. He's 52 strikeouts through five games. His ERA is 1.19. Before he gave up those two runs in the ninth, it was .72. So, like, the guy's doing pretty much everything he can, but, you know... To his point, even though it's just kind of like pitcher speak, you know, Tanaka gave up three hits in nine innings. That's better than what Sale did. I know Sale got seven more strikeouts, but in the grand scheme of things, he gave up five more hits, three more runs, and two more earned runs. So, yes, he could have pitched better technically, and, you know, that's the problem because even though he didn't get run support, you know, he didn't win the game. So I can see his point. It's stupid because he's pitched so well, but, you know, he, he could have pitched better technically. Oh yeah, and yeah. that's why that's why I love him because he technically could have. No one would have blamed him, you know. I'm obviously not to come out and blame his team for not scoring runs. No one wants him to say that out loud, but you know, no one expects him to say after that game, especially in a Red Sox kind of mindset of, yeah, I just need to play better. I need to pitch better. That was my fault. I shouldn't have lost that game. No one said that really in a long time in this locker room. Um, I know Ortiz spoke his mind, but I don't think I've seen a pitcher talk like that since. I don't know. I mean. Lackey used to kind of speak his mind, but Pedro used to do it all the time. Um, and it's it's refreshing to see a guy, even pitch as well as he did, still take accountability for the loss. Yeah, and like you said, we haven't had that accountability in a while. And it's funny you bring up Pedro because so many reporters and beat writers out there are comparing Sale to, to Pedro, you know, obviously when Pedro was in his prime. So just to kind of go off that more, it's just... I mean, no, I haven't heard a pitcher go out there, strike out 10 batters, come back and say, no, it's my fault. It's I should have pitched better. It's something like you just don't hear a lot, if at all, these days. Yeah, no no doubt. The run thing's weird, though. It's just like, you know, I'm looking at the stats. The Red Sox are third in the league in batting average, 270 batting average, yet they're 26 in runs with 95 runs. So it's like... They're getting hits. They're getting guys on base. They're just not producing runs. They're not getting home runs. They're not driving in runs. It's just, it's so weird. Like, the offense is there, and maybe that's why Sale kind of feels like, well, I'll get runs at some point. I'm not going to worry about it. But it's it's just so strange how it's not like the Sox are 30th in batting average and 26 in runs. They're third in batting average and 26 in runs. It's just so weird how different those are because those don't – you don't usually see stats that opposite of each other. So – We'll move on to uh, the next series. That was a lame two-loss series, rain-shortened series, um, which brings into the Cubs series, the fun Cubs series. Um, 
off the downer Yankees series. Uh, it started off well. Started off with a five to four win on Friday, which I'm sure most people did not expect to get because the pitching matchup was Drew Pomerantz against uh, Jake Arrieta, so former Cy Young pitcher against. Well, I mean, All Star, but you would have Stop expected it. Arrieta to win this. Stop it! No, he it. was. He was. Doesn't deserve the All Star tag at all. Yeah, well, guess what? He's actually pitching pretty well this year. So. This year he is. Yeah, this year he deserves it. Oh, okay. He didn't. He didn't deserve it last year when he had like a two point four ERA for the Padres in the National League, and then came over here and sucked ass. Yeah, well, you know, gotta give him a chance. So we'll give him a chance, uh, and he pitched well in this game. But really, the story of it was a huge first inning uh, after Chris Bryant hit a home run in the top of the first to make it one nothing. Uh, the Sox went right to it in the bottom of the first off. Arietta, Andrew Benintendi hit a home run to start it off. Hanley Ramirez got an RBI single. Mitch Moreland got an RBI double. Jackie Riley Jr. got an RBI single. And Christian Vasquez got an RBI single. It was a hit party. Single party. Look at all these runs. <laughs> I know. Speaking of the no runs we're talking about, all of a sudden there were runs off one of the better pitchers in the league. Um, and funny enough, those are the only runs the Red Sox would get. Uh, Arietta only lasted four and a third innings, ten hits, five runs. I mean, pretty bad start for him, so it was... Hard to get too far. He threw 98 pitches in that short amount of time. Uh, but Pomeranz was dealing. He pitched six innings, only gave up two runs on six hits with seven strikeouts. Um, 95 pitches through six innings. Uh, the bullpen struggled a little bit. Uh, Robbie Scott gave up a run. Joe Kelly gave up a run. Uh, and then the other three guys, Henry, Abad, and Kimbrell, shut it down, which was impressive because the Cubs got those two runs back. Uh to make it 5-4, Albert Amora hit a home run in the third to make it 5-2. And then the same guy scored a wild pitch to make it 5-3. Ben Zobrist drove in Anthony Rizzo to make it 5-4 in the seventh. But Abad and Kimbrell stopped the damage with a combined five strikeouts. So this game was interesting because it was a lot of runs early, no runs for the rest of the game, and then the pitching just kind of held it until until the end and managed to uh, to keep to keep that one-run advantage. So much-needed win, obviously, with the zero offense in the Yankees series. And zero offense in this game for the last eight innings. So thank God for the five runs in the first and the bullpen's ability to just just barely hold the lead. I know that yeah, I know they've been inconsistent on offense, and you can't be mad. But like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I look at this game and go, why was it so close? Like, I understand you're playing the Cubs, and like they're the defending world champs for a reason. They're still a good roster, but like you're up five nothing on the Cubs. You should. It should not have been that close at the end. No, I'm not mad. Like they won. I'm not going to nitpick this early in the year, especially with the injuries they've had and the bullpen still not 100. percent But like, it, it bugged me a little bit that it was still five four after the way they started that game. Yeah, but I mean, I think over the years as Red Sox fans, we've come to learn that no lead is safe in baseball, no matter how big it is. So, I mean, I'm like, I'm glad that they got the five runs early because if they hadn't, it would have been a whole different ball game. Yeah, it was. Made a huge difference, uh, especially to get off to that start against Arietta, who, you know, he can cruise if he gets if he gets going. So that was that was important, and just to get five runs in one inning was nice after scoring one in eighteen innings against the Yankees. So good start to the series, five to four win, uh, brought us into Saturday, which was not so good. This was a seven to four loss. Uh, this was uh, old friend John Lackey day. Pitching matchup was John Lackey versus Stephen Wright. Both pitchers didn't p- pitch particularly well, but they both lasted a pretty long time. Uh, Lackey lasted six innings. Wright lasted six and a third. Uh, Wright ended up giving up seven hits and five runs. Lackey ended up giving eight runs and f- eight hits and four runs. So neither one was very good, but the runs were kind of scattered around. Uh, the Sox got two at first. Jackie Bradley Jr. RBI single in the second. 
Uh, Andrew Benintendi hit a sack fly in the third, and then Hanley Ramirez blasted an insanely long home run over the, way over the monster uh, to make it 3 nothing. Uh John Lackey gave us some classic F-bombs, some classic John Lackey F-bombs in this oh, game. It was, which, it was glorious. Oh, I miss uh, it so I, much on a daily basis, on a night-to-night basis. I watched the replay of it, like, probably 25 times. <laughs> have, you guys ever watched, have you guys ever watched the YouTube compilations that are out there of his F-bombs? Uh, oh, no, yeah. Point after the show. <laughs> those, oh, those, those are so great. Those are so yeah. much fun. There's nothing better than, than a good old John Lackey F-bomb. Because that guy gets angry quick. And it's great. So this one he was angry about because it was a blast. That made it three to nothing. So the Sox were in business uh, until Anthony Rizzo hit a two-run homer off right in the fourth, and it was four to uh, three to two. Still close. Uh, then Andrew Benintendi hit another home run uh, in the fifth to make it four to two. So the Sox were still doing pretty well. And then it all fell apart in the sixth and seventh. Uh, the Cubs got a run back on a ground out for Zobris to make it four three. And the seventh was the real problem. Miguel Montero tied the game with a home run. Kyle Schwarber put the the Cubs up five to four with a single, and then Anthony Rizzo moved on uh, another run in a fielder's choice to make it six to four. Uh, error on the play to Mitch Moreland. Uh, Zobris padded the lead seven to four in the ninth. So I think the consensus from this game is that Stephen Wright was left in too long because uh, he really wasn't pitching that bad for several innings. Uh, and I guess a bigger problem as I said earlier, was that the Red Sox had four errors in this game, which were uh, Bogarts, Hernandez, Moreland, and Wright all had errors. So each team had 10 hits, but four errors was the difference, and uh, the Cubs won 7-4. to four. This game just kind of fell apart. It really was in, the, in hand for the Red Sox until Wright kind of blew it, and then the errors decided to just come quick and fast. Yeah, I, I'm really I'm, I'm more disappointed about the errors. Obviously, you know, Wright was in a tough situation, but you know, this team, especially with the offense lacking, needs to be shut down defensively, and they have that ability to be with who they, who they have on defense. So um, the errors obviously are concerning, and I know it hasn't happened too much this year, but that game spiraled out of control real quick. Yeah, and, you know, errors on errors on errors. And I know we're going to get into it a little later, but it's one of those other frustrating games where, I mean, errors could have prevented – it could have been a completely different outcome of the game if there weren't so many freaking errors. Yeah, and I should have mentioned, too, in the uh, in, in Friday's win, the Sox also had two errors. So four errors on Saturday, two errors on Friday. We already you know, we already talked about the errors on uh, on Wednesday. There weren't any on Thursday, but, you know, the four and the two and the two, so we're up to eight errors here in just four games, which is brutal, and three of the four of those games were losses, so... Quite a trend here. Uh, so tough loss there. But the Sox came back on Sunday on Sunday Night Baseball and got a 6-2 to two win uh, behind Eduardo Rodriguez. He didn't get the win because he uh, his, his lead was blown. But Rodriguez pitched really well. He pitched six innings, five hits, one run, two walks, and nine strikeouts. He's become quite the strikeout pitcher. Um, Kyle Hendricks pitched six innings, three hits, two runs, six Ks, three walks for the Cubs. Uh, the Sox were up 2 to nothing in the first. Hanley Ramirez blasted another home run to left, just like the day before. Uh, Chris Bryant hit a home run for the Cubs' first run in the fifth to make it 2-1 to one off of Rodriguez. That was the only run he'd give up. Uh, Joe Kelly blew the game in the seventh uh, on a wild pitch that John Jay scored from second on. He was called out originally, and it was overturned on replay, and it was a tied game 2-2. Two to two. 
Fortunately, the Red Sox got four runs in the bottom of the eighth. Marco Hernandez scored in a wild pitch. Mitch Moreland got a run in on a ground out. And then Addison Russell threw a pathetic dirt ball from shortstop to first base for Dustin Pedroia. Red Sox scored two runs on that, made it 6-2. to two. And Craig Kimbrell came in and cleaned it up easily. Matt Barnes got the win with a clean inning after his four-game suspension was was uh, done, I guess is the word. He, he, <laughs> he served. He <laughs> served, served, yeah. He served his four-game suspension and uh, came back, pitched real well, three outs on 11 pitches. Uh, so after Kelly, the bullpen was good. And the offense got it late, and Erod looked real good. So this game was just good all the way around, and no errors. No errors. That's the best part. <laughs> so it, it it was great to see Erod pitch. It's funny because we had a lot of concerns about him going into the season, and here we are. You know, he's like you said, just perfectly. He's become quite the strikeout pitcher, and it's not. He's just right now. He's, he's good. My, he's very good. He's exceeding my expectations, and I'm I'm so pleasantly thrilled because I wouldn't expect him to come in here. If, have nine strikeouts, maybe five, six, maybe seven on a good day. But he's just, he's rolling. And I love it because I like when my predictions or my worries are kind of put aside, at least in April. It's nice to see him come out strong and continue to be strong. Yeah, it's nice to see. It's it's really nice to see. Um, you know, up and down, we weren't really sure what was gonna get, we were going to get out of him, but it's nice to see him be pitching with confidence for sure. Well, I mean, really, it's funny. <laughs> now that we're a month in, you, you look at the pitching. Erod's pitched really well. Pomeranz has pitched really well. Sales pitched incredibly. Porcello's pitched just fine and has just got not gotten the run support. So with the lack of price out, and obviously Stephen Wright has had a pretty pretty down season with his knuckleball so far, and uh, was just placed in the DL, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but overall, the pitching's been really, really good, and without price, I don't think people necessarily expected that. And the guys that have been question marks, like Erod and Pomeranz, have both been really good. And it's funny because the offense has been the problem, not the pitching. So it's like literally a complete flip from what most people were expecting from this team. Yeah, and now, I mean, we'll talk about it soon, but like you look about what is happening, and now Price potentially could be back soon. So if the pitching keeps being consistent, the offense can take its time. I don't want it to take its time, but now the offense has a little more t- time to kind of work through these kinks if the pitching keeps be- doing this well. Yeah, but the thing is, like, I mean, the pitching's doing really well, but we got to figure out how to score some runs. And I know we kind of had this issue last year and the year before with, with the offense, but it's like you look at that lineup on paper and it blows my mind that we're having issues scoring runs when we thought, you know, kind of going into the season that pitching was going to be the issue. Right, and like I said earlier, third and batting average and still in score, trouble scoring runs. It's like the pitching's keeping them afloat. It's got a 13-12 and 12 record, but... You know, 13 and 12 isn't going to get you very far if that's spread out over five months. So it's like, yes, they're keeping they're keeping the offense uh, and the team afloat at this point. But you need both. I mean, obviously, you don't win without without both. And even if pitching's good and pitching means a whole lot, if you don't have that offense, then you're still not going to win that many games because you can't win if you don't score. As we've said probably about five times every <laughs> show this this season so far. So. I think I think it was last season too, where after April or maybe after May, that they had led the league and run scored, but they just, same thing, there's just this big offensive issue, but it's like, how can they be leading in runs when they can't even, it feels like they can't even score each game? It's, it's just, it blows my mind how these kinds of stats work. Yeah, offense is a weird thing. Uh, so I'll just wrap up the recap with, with today's game, even though it's part of this week, but it already happened, so might as well just 
brief over it, uh, started a four-game series for the Orioles with the Orioles, and uh, this game was very strange and really ugly. Uh, the Orioles won five to two. Rick Porcello versus Dylan Bundy. Dylan Bundy has been dominant this year. He's four and one with a one point eight two ERA. He pitched seven innings, five hits, two runs, four walks, two only two strikeouts, but held the Red Sox off the board for seven innings. And uh, and Rick Porcello, you know, he, he pitched well again. Five hits, two runs, seven strikeouts with no walks uh, through six innings, but didn't get the run support, so he drops to one and four on the season, which is a real shame. Uh, and in this one, the offense really uh, wasn't there, and the defense just completely fell apart uh, late in the game. It was scoreless until the fifth. Caleb Joseph got an RBI double. Then Manny Machado blasted a home run off off Porcello in the sixth to make it two to nothing. And then uh, the eighth is where it really fell apart. Uh, Machado reached and they scored a run on a Marco Hernandez error, and then. Mark Trumbo got an RBI single, and then uh, the runners advanced on an Andrew Benintendi error, and then Chris Davis hit a sack fly, and it was 5 to nothing. The ball was going all over the place. Uh, the Sox got two back in the bottom of the eighth with a Benintendi single and a Hanley Ramirez single, but 5-2 to two loss, uh, four more errors, no runs for Porcello, and it's kind of annoying to see him 1-4 because, I'm sorry, he has not pitched, and his ERA is not great, it's 446, but he's not pitched bad enough for one and four record with how little the offense has done for him. Well, I mean, but look at it, and the reason why, you know why. It's because the offense isn't hitting. The offense isn't producing any runs, so guys like Chris Sale and Porcello, who have been pitching dominantly for the most part all year, can't get the run support, so how are they going to get the wins, right? So I, I look at the ERA more than I look at the wins anyway, but at that point, like, yeah, at this year, the way the offense has been producing – you look at Rick Porcello with one win, and it's like, okay, he could have four wins. You know, it's one of those things where um, last year he did get a crap ton of run support, too. So um, yeah, he, did. he got a lot of run support last year. But, you know, they're both pitching obscenely well. Porcello pitched really, really well in this game. And because the Red Sox can't put the bat on the ball consistently, he's, get, he's getting screwed. So it was Chris Sale, obviously. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it right on the head. It's, it's frustrating. He shouldn't be one and four. Chris Sale shouldn't have one win. It's and it's frustrating because last year I think Porcello ended the year with four losses and yeah he did and he's already got four losses in April so well, I guess he's not losing any more games that's right nope, twenty one and now <laughs> yeah I wouldn't complain but it's it's frustrating because he's pitching well and so is Chris Sale and so is so, so is the whole rotation they're pitching well they're just not getting that run support and that's that's the most frustrating thing is when you see. A good start, you see the seven, eight innings just completely go to waste because we can't push runs across the plate. Yeah, exactly. And, like, Porcello's ERA is also deceiving because 446 is pretty high, but they, he had that eight-run game against Tampa Bay uh, in mid-April, which obviously spiked his ERA like three points. Uh, but his last three starts, no earned runs, two earned runs, and two earned runs. So those are all starts you could get wins in, and he has – a loss in all three of those. Not a no decision. He has a loss in all three of those starts where he's given up zero, two, and two earned runs. So that's where he stands. Uh, so that's that pretty crappy week. Um, rain out on Tuesday and then a two and three week and now two and four if you add today's game in. So uh, tough week. Our week MVP goes to the girl said who said no to the proposal at Fenway. <laughs> yeah. 
And also to Hanley Ramirez, because he finally broke out, hit a couple home runs, had several hits, and actually looked like a baseball player this week. So we'll give it to the girl and Hanley Ramirez this week. Hanley's in good company, my friend. Hanley is in good company. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that was funny, that, that whole proposal situation. Um, but there Not you go. the guy. No, well, no. Yeah, believe me, that was my biggest fear too. Was heard that for some reason getting told no. Um, imagine, oh God, uh, no, thank you. Um, so that is just his recap. Of course, our show and his recap is powered by uh, the SeatGeek ticketing app, the smartest and easiest way to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Get a twenty dollars rebate on your first purchase, of course, by downloading the free SeatGeek app to your phone. Go to the settings tab and click Add a promo code and enter the code. Garden Report uh, in all one word for a $20 rebate. And so SeatGeek knows who sent you. Um, of course, Garden Report, the code, it works really well. Solid turn of the playoffs. Red Sox tickets out there. Uh, definitely check it out. Enter that Garden Report code to get $20 off for sure. Um, but yeah, so I think the first thing we need to talk about, because it kind of just broke after this game ended, and as Jess was doing his recap, but Stephen Wright is going to the DL with a knee sprain. John Farrell, I just saw on Twitter, saying tonight that it's something he's been lingering on and off with since spring training. So, one, I want to know how it got worse and why hasn't this been clearly monitored if it hasn't. But now a bigger question also turns into who replaces him in the rotation. You have multiple options. You can go, you know, four-man rotation um, for a while. Workman is supposedly the move that's coming up. Um, from AAA to kind of coincide that. So maybe Joe Kelly gets to start. I don't know if I like that either. Guys, there's a lot of options, but I don't know if I like any of them to, to replace Stephen Wright. I mean, we can also do Brian Johnson. We can't forget about him. But we'll yeah. see. We, we can. No, I mean, Workman, um, I believe, was called up after they officially placed him on the deal, I don't know, 15 minutes ago. So it's it's definitely frustrating because... I, I, I would figured he had an arm issue, not a knee issue. So I'm just kind of like, where is this coming from? Because we kind of all thought there's a shoulder injury stemming from when he was a pinch runner last season. So it's definitely, definitely frustrating because I said it, I actually said it today while I was working. I said, I think he's hurt because there's something there, not on his knuckleball. It doesn't look like how he did last year before he got hurt. So I was thinking it was just a shoulder thing. And here we go, it comes out that it's a knee thing. So I'm like, and we've been over this, you know, in the off season with Erod and with his knee injury. So we know how we feel about them and how skeptical we are of knee injuries. And for this just to kind of come out at, you know, 11 o'clock at night is kind of concerning. Yeah, I'm not surprised because um, obviously he hasn't pitched well at all. Um, so... Usually when pitchers who are normally good don't pitch well, it's usually some kind of injury, so go figure. Um, I'm not sure why it's a knee. That's interesting, but that would be hard to throw good pitches if you have a knee injury, so I don't know if it ha- if Yeah, I mean, it may have happened a while ago, and he's just been working through it, but if he's going to pitch poorly, he might as well have somebody else come in and pitch because him pitching ineffectively with an injury is kind of pointless. So, But, yeah, that's the problem at this point. It's kind of the depth. You know, it's Ryan Johnson pitched that one start. Uh, Henry Owens has been garbage. Brandon Workman getting the call up, and he's pitched in like three years. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens at that. But I guess I guess those guys will be better than Wright with an injury because obviously he hasn't done well. What 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 do you guys feel is the best option for them moving forward with this? Obviously, we don't know how long he'll be on the DL, but 
you know, there are other options. He, he could, like I said, he could go the four man rotation depending on how long it will be till David Price gets back, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. But um, what, what do you, what would you guys want to see in this situation? I mean, I, I really don't want a four man rotation just because I, I like the flow of how things are going right now with the five guy rotation. So, I mean, we don't really know the status of David Price, like when he'll be returning. We know that he's progressing well, which is nice. But I think, you know, they do have options for a fifth man. So I think that's just the best way to go. Yeah, I don't like a four-man rotation either. I think five's better. There's also, I don't know, they don't, I don't know if they want to pitch him, but uh, Rowan Asalias is also still on the team in Pawtucket. So oh, he'd yeah. be another option. But, yeah, I mean, if they bring up... Workman doesn't that mean it's probably gonna they're gonna try him? I mean I don't know he pitched so well forever ago and now he's now he's back. I don't know if they're gonna give him a give him a a go at it. I mean he was a he was a reliever late for the Red Sox and then went back to a starter. So he's kind of he's kind of switched around. So I don't know if they're gonna try him or if they're gonna throw him in the bullpen and try somebody else. But I guess they would have brought up Elias if he was gonna start right because he's in AAA. One guy that my name my my mind spins that they haven't given a shot is Kyle Kendrick. Um, That's true. I forgot about he's him. He's Still down there, and this would be an ideal time for him to get a shot to come back. He pitched so well in spring training. I know it's spring training, but like everyone thought he might get a chance to crack the big league roster come opening day, and didn't. And now he's been sitting down there pitching. And why why hasn't he, I mean he, we don't know obviously internally, but his name hasn't been brought up at all. I know this just happened, but. Even when Brian Johnson came up to pitch, wouldn't it, wouldn't you have thought that would have been Kendricks? I'm sorry, Lauren, to say that, but like <laughs> Kendricks pitched so well in spring training that he hasn't even gotten a shot to pitch in a major league game yet. Yeah, I mean it's definitely I like I completely forgot about that name too. He was such a big name in spring training, and the second he was sent down to AAA, I feel like he was just forgotten about. And I mean it's and they do have a lot of a lot of options. I guess they're kind of just waiting and seeing how bad this injury is if he's gonna come back after the 10 days or if he's gonna need more time when David Price is gonna come back like they have a lot of things to factor in here because you know at the beginning of the season they're like oh no how's our rotation gonna fill out and now it's they have too many starters and they're kind of starting to lose their starters so I think it's I hate saying the wait and see thing but I really think they have to wait and see especially with Bryce's injury. Yeah, I totally forgot about Kendrick, too. And uh, Tom Karen points out on Twitter that uh, Kendrick's only given up three runs in his last two starts over 14 innings, so he's still pitching well down there. So I think definitely they want to look at him, but, which they may, because obviously to be determined still for Thursday's start, but they got to figure it out soon because it's Monday and his start's Thursday. So we're going to know soon, that's for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Kendrick gets a nod. Um, you know, Johnson got the last attempt. I, I just I keep... Trying to figure out why he's not up here, but um, that's a situation where give it a day or two, we'll obviously know more as it gets closer to that that's that scheduled start in the rotation for Stephen Wright's spot. Um, sticking with the rotation, David Price, who we haven't seen pitch this year because he is hurt, not because he's a baby, because he's hurt, um, did throw 30 pitches. Um, on a simulated game, or two simulated innings, apologies, uh, on Saturday. Um, he said he didn't feel discomfort, who knows if he was lying or not, but uh, apparently could start a minor league assignment in the second week of May, which is next week. So, that being said, um, that is good news, if it's true. 
Um, and that could mean you get maybe you have to fill two spots, two starts, maybe one for Stephen Wright before maybe Price could come in and fill that hole. So depending on the health of David Price, this could not be as bad of an issue as it may seem. Well, it's only a good thing if Price comes back and actually pitches well. Okay, but like Stephen <laughs> Wright wasn't pitching that great either. So like I'd rather an eighty percent David Price than anybody else who's a, who's an option. I don't know. I feel about David Price. <laughs> it's a regular season. He's fine. It's okay. Oh uh, yeah, okay. He was fine last year too, and his ERA was four and a half, and he was giving up forty five home runs and four thousand hits. Still okay with it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's a good thing if if he's actually healthy and actually going to come back and be good, but I'm not convinced until it happens because it's taken a pretty long time here and going to continue to take several more weeks. So I don't feel great about it, but, you know, if he's healthy and he comes back, then great. Add him to the mix, and uh, hopefully he doesn't bring the pitching down. (laughs) Yeah, that's my biggest fear is, you know, but he seems – what I really liked, um, what I heard about is his bullpen session the other day was that he had a lot of intensity and that he was showing a lot of emotion, like good emotion. And that's what I like to see, you know, when sale or Kimball get a big strikeout, they have that, that fist pump that they just kind of like yell. They have that expression on their face where, you know, they're just so pumped. And, you know, that's what we, we need more of, especially from somebody like David Price. Yeah. And, He's been never really one to show his emotions pitching, but I think just him coming back from this and pitching consistently will put a little more ease into the rotation. I know it hasn't been bad, but you know more consistency and hopeful more success, and hopefully the offense comes around too because last year he did get run support, but everyone got run support last year because the offense was so good. But I, I, I take stock in him coming back. I take stock in him potentially starting a minor league assignment down there, and, and we'll see what happens with Pawtucket. But um, it, it's very good news that Price is kind of – feeling less discomfort or no discomfort if you believe it i'm one that does believe it uh, shockingly i know but um i think that they're on they're on the right track to kind of move him along and and get him back into the mix which is which is great which is something that is needed um and, jerry when do you turn so soft oh, i don't know, I know. maybe it's because i need <laughs> sleep you know i'm an engaged man it changes people you know um i don't know i, I i'm i'm always been a david price fan i and coming in the playoffs, obviously, it's a different animal. I, I, if he would shut up on Twitter, that'd be great. But you need his pitching. You, you need him in the regular season. You need his pitching. Um, and if he can come back and help the rotation, whatever. Um, can he hit? That's what we need. Can he hit? Is that what you said? Maybe. If <laughs> yeah. He's Madison Bobbitt, who's actually not playing. So, uh, <laughs> um, Just bring David Ortiz out of retirement. Apparently, that's all Bogarts needs. Um, so... With David Price obviously coming back, you know, the other the injuries are piling up. You know, you still have the bullpen issues with those guys out with Thornburg and Carson Smith and David Price not out. Wright's gone. Pablo Sandoval's now gone. And I want to talk about that for a second because Pablo Sandoval, um, there apparently is no timetable for his return, which scares the crap out of me. And I'm, I'm supporting him this year. Like, I want him to do well. Hasn't been doing well. He does lead the team in homers, which is kind of funny. But that being said, you know, it's a concern that he's – they're keeping him, and there's no timetable because we don't really 100% know what it is, the severity of it, and obviously Marco Hernandez is playing third right now, especially with Brock Holt not with the team. So what is what does this mean for Pablo Sandoval? Are you guys super worried? Obviously, I don't think a lot of people are because no one believes in the guy anymore, but 
you know, it could be a problem for this team long term if he stays out and doesn't get healthy because I don't believe in Marco Hernandez as an everyday player just yet. I'm more annoyed than worried just because I feel like, you know, after last season and in the off season when he seemed really ready to be back and and I know, you know, knee injuries they're a freak thing, you know. I know Adam Eaton towards ACL running down the first. So it's I understand like knee injuries are, are weird and sometimes sprains are worse than breaks and it's really hard to gauge how they're gonna heal. So I'm more annoyed just because I want him to stay healthy. I want him to be good. And it just, it's like a never ending saga with this guy with Boston. And I don't, it's not that I don't think he can't play here. I think he can. I just, it's a matter of him staying healthy and he just can't catch a break. What a joke this guy is. My God. I can't. <laughs> Come back, player of the year. Lost 25 pounds. Blah, blah, blah. The guy blows. He's terrible. He can't Get do it. anything. He cannot do anything. He's hitting 213. He can't stay in the field. There's always an excuse. Now he gets to be out for probably like three months because of a knee injury from kneeling on the ground to catch a ball. Like, come on. How much of a flower can you be? I'm sorry. I'm sick of this guy. All the comeback, all the resurgence, all this crap. Prove it to me. He hasn't done anything. He's terrible. My God, I, I, I drafted him in fantasy. I was like, yeah, comeback player of the year. God, I dropped him faster than you could. Oh, so you actually drafted him in fantasy? Come on now, Jeff. Yeah, because I wanted to believe in him. And then I was like, cool, what a joke. So, yeah, all that comeback player of the year, everyone can forget that. All your bold predictions about this guy, forget that too. Now they're like, I, I put an article in the paper tonight that was that was saying, options a third for the Red Sox. Who, who can take the spot permanently? Marco Hernandez, Josh Rutledge, Brock Holt. <laughs> I was just like, Geez. And it's like, wasn't this supposed to be Pablo Sandoval? Yeah. Oh, my like, God. Yeah, and I think I don't know if his time's up completely, but look, he's struggling. That that's for sure. There's no there's no way around that. And I'm one to believe in the guy. I have been, um, and I and I'm slowly fading away from it. So it's it's one of those God. things where he, he he needs to be on the field to prove it. And if he can't stay on the field, then how is he going to do anything that he keeps telling us he can do? Right. So he's barely played in two two seasons. <laughs> yeah, and and he signed all this money. They're paying all this money. Yeah, and and you know they're they're backing him and they're pumping up all these things about him because you know one they're paying him a crap ton of money and they don't care about that. But you know it's their big it was their big ticket guy and now they're trying to kind of make it off to be the next Hanley. And look, Hanley's not even playing that great. He's getting better over the last couple of games. But this team needs anything, something. Anything he does is better than than freaking Pablo Sandoval. <laughs> That's true. And I think people love Hanley now. I think people have learned to love Hanley um, in He's this actually- city like stayed in the field and like actually played last season is actually playing this season. Like he's not a little baby like Sandoval. Oh my God. I thought Sandoval was going to be better. One of the two of them. And Hanley's been better by a landslide. What a, what a joke. Yeah. It, it's, I, I don't know what's going on with Sandoval. My, my concern is now, you know, him going in and out of the lineup, right? Like, you know, you come back, you try it, you play for a month, you get hurt again. That's my concern with this is they're going to be indecisive because they want him to play. But he's not going to be able to stick to it and then get hurt again, and that—that's my concern is because that's inconsistencies for this team. They don't need, they don't need the inconsistency. Especially, you know, they have the they have the Orioles in town, and you have a team that you know wants you. They just beat you tonight, and you know you have that rivalry in play now, and you could use a veteran presence like that. And now he's not even on the field, and he he's whining about being hurt and, and could be a leader on this team. So. Yeah, I'd still take him in the postseason. I want him on the roster in the postseason because, you know, that's why we paid him all that money to be that guy. 
And he hasn't had a chance to do that yet in a Red Sox uniform because he didn't play last year. And he hasn't even played in the playoffs yet as a Red Sox. So I'm still willing to hold out hope for that part of it. But this guy has got a very, very short leash, and me, with me included. And I'm one to obviously support the guy. But short leash for sure. Yeah, very short leash, definitely. I mean, it, it, it's frustrating. Like I said, I'm more annoyed than anything just because I don't – I want a healthy – team i want a healthy everyone and i when they say no timetable for return that's when i start to get kind of like oh great we're not going to see this guy till either after the all-star break or next season so it's like i'm just i'm just annoyed like when i saw it i was like oh here we go again this guy's whole career this has been one long long long-winded excuse basically as an excuse for everything first year oh yeah i didn't play well yeah, I'm too busy looking at Instagram. I didn't play well. I'm not good enough. I get better. Cool. Excuse one. Next season. Injury. Cool. Here's my next excuse. I'm, I'm hurt for the whole season, so you can't blame me for that. All right. Season three. We're ready. All right. Okay, now I'm hurt, and I'm playing terribly. Excuse number three. It's always some, it's always some excuse for this guy. You can't stay out there. It's pathetic. Yeah, no, it, it is. And, and look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing thin with him, and, and I've been an advocate of his even when he wasn't playing last year. I said, hey, next year, Pablo Sandoval – it's getting to that point where it's like it's kind of exhausting. Same thing with like David Price's Twitter issue. Like you know, it's exhausting, right? You don't want to deal with it anymore. And it's something where I think a lot of Red Sox fans are over it. We're done with dealing with the crap from this guy, the, the bull crap that he's pulling out there. You know, you can tweet all the pictures you want with soccer studs looking thin, but you, when you get on the field, you got to stay on the field and produce. And you're not doing that. And you're not worth your money, Pablo. And man, it's, it's starting to be a struggle with this guy. Even if he hits like 400 over the next three months, he's still not worth the money or even close to it. So he's a bust. He's going to be a bust for a while. He's going to have to do a lot to prove he's not a bust. And if he doesn't stay in the field and he hits 213, I'm sorry, but that ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, That's no, I say about him. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And I, the, Pablo Sandoval has good of a chance of coming back and succeeding as that guy at Fenway gets a chance to saying yes at a proposal. Like, it's just <laughs> not going to happen. Um, oh, sorry, guy. I feel Wait, your one pain. step further. Um, that was kind of mean, but that was kind of funny though. Can we talk about that real quick before we move on to MLB stuff around the league? Um, yes. <laughs> if you're that guy, and Jeff, we both popped the question. We're both engaged men. If you got to know like that in front of like, how bad would you feel? You got to know that they're gonna say yes. If you're gonna spend like three hundred fifty dollars and do it in front of a camera in front of about thirty thousand people, Jesus, I did it in a quiet quiet forest and camping with nobody around and i knew i did, it, I, my, I, I did I, it in my house like yeah and we knew it was gonna be yeses this guy doesn't know and he's going out there in front of all these people and he gets rejected oh my god what a disaster you got to you got to know they're gonna say yes if you're doing it making a huge debacle and show of it like that yeah it was it was interesting because i had some people text me like oh that's something you would do i could totally see you doing that and i'm like Thank, thanks guys like <laughs> Wow! Doing it at Fenway or, or saying no? <laughs> well, saying no because I've said like you know I've joked around like oh I'm gonna get married at Fenway and I was like but I would never want to get engaged at Fenway because it's just it's too much attention and then everyone wants to see your ring after and you're trying like me I'm like shut up I'm watching the game I would take the ring off and be like here take a look but like I shared the video this morning on Twitter and I captioned it like whoops and. I had three different people message me like, wait, was this you? And I was like, no, it, I, no, it wasn't me. I wasn't saying like, whoops, I did it. But it was really funny moment because every time you go to a game, you see it happen. And I've never seen a no. And I've always joked around like, that'd be so funny if somebody said no once. I never thought it, 
I, it would come to the day where we would see a no, whether it was fake or not. I've seen people like, oh, it was staged and or whatever. It's it just sucks to be that guy because if you're getting down on one knee and you're asking someone to marry them, like you guys said, you have to know it's a yes because that's such a obviously it's a huge commitment and you guys would know like you you're both engaged you you were both pretty confident they were going to say yes like how do you ask that question like did they not have that conversation have they been dating for like three weeks and the guy's crazy like what what i just want to know the backstory on it lauren if you're that guy if you're that guy do you get a yes down the road like if you're the girl like do you eventually say yes I mean, I don't think there's any going back from that. Like, <laughs> how do you go back? Like, how do you say, no, I don't want to marry you to being like, oh, but I still want to be with you. Like, if you want to be with somebody, you want to be with them. So I don't think there's any bouncing back from that at all. Yeah, that yeah, was, that, that was it, 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 it was kind of funny to watch. Um, <laughs> I laughed as much as I kind of felt for the guy. I also laughed because it was pretty comical. But um that, that that that's gonna how we're gonna end Red Sox news this week. There's some stuff around the league we want to get to before we do predictions. Like uh, there's a lot of stuff that went around the league. Um, update on Madison Baumgartner now apparently going to be out three months. His sprain was upgraded to grade two after the dirt bike accident, and man, did he screw himself royally by doing something royally stupid. <laughs> I mean, at least he knows it was. At least he knows it was irresponsible and. It's unfortunate because those kind of sprains really suck. And I said it early in the show, it's sometimes sprains are worse than breaks because you just don't know how they're going to heal. You just kind of need to let them heal. But for it to get upgraded over a week, that's not good. So obviously it's gotten progressively worse over the, the week since we last talked about it. So it sucks because we know what, what kind of pitcher he can be. I know he's not having the best year, but... It definitely, it definitely sucks, and it sucks for the Giants because they're losing their best pitchers due to something that was completely preventable. And they already suck. Their team already <laughs> sucks. So yep. <laughs> losing them for three months, are, in addition to already being a bad team, doesn't really help either. So, yeah, you kind of screw everybody in this situation. So I hope you enjoy his dirt bike. They might, they might as well just put them off for the year. They're already that bad. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, right. They might as well Championship run over. Seriously. Oh, well. It's an even. It's not an even year anyway, so it's okay. It makes sense. Um, it's 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 definitely not an even year. Um, other news around the league. So the big thing with the Mets um, that people have been talking about is Noah Syndergaard, who left to start on Sunday um, in the second inning with the possible lat strain. Um, this guy has been a mess. Um, he's going to the DL. Um, had a partial tear in his right lat muscle. Um, a lot's going on with this guy. I, I'm going to go out there on a limb and say he's probably not going to pitch again this year. Um, I, I think there's just a lot going on with him right now, injury-wise, that he needs to figure this out. And it's worth it for him to just take the rest of the year and get 100% and not risk like his career over a one season. Yeah, I mean, I've done I've done a lot of reading on, on Syndergaard this last few days. Um, and I feel like I, I read this article that said something like does the do the coaches and do or does the league do enough to protect the pitchers and it, there's only so much a manager can do like you can't if he refused the MRI and he said he was fine you're gonna trust your pitcher and then when he takes himself out and he finally gets that MRI and it's a lap screen you know I'm glad he went and got it but you can't force somebody to get an MRI you can't force somebody you know if they want to go out there and pitch you have to do it and 
it sucks because Syndergaard's only 24. He's obviously very good, and he's supposed to be one of the one of the greatest pitchers that we're going to see, you know, in our not in our lifetime, but you know, the next few years, he's obviously going to be very good. And probably the best kind of, pitcher I've seen in a while. He's he's very yeah. good. And he's very fun to watch, and I love his hair, love those locks that he's got going on. But it, it comes down to, you know, being a responsible pitcher. I mean, not not so much like responsible like Madison Bumgarner kind of going out there and doing dumb things, but really kind of taking care of yourself and knowing when you need to be like, okay, I'm hurt, there's an issue. Yeah, it's too bad for the Mets because they had Matt Harvey miss basically all of last year, and now Cinderella's going to be out for a long time. But I just overall, there's been a lot of injuries this year for baseball, period. Like, hitters, pitchers, everybody. There's been a ton of guys going to the DL earlier this year. So I don't know what's going around, but uh, the uh, the injury bug. <laughs> Seriously. Not, and, not, and, not, the, and, uh, not the flu bug anymore. It's the <laughs> no, it's not. It's not the flu bug. And, and another one, too, out of Eaton for the rest of the year. Um, yeah. And apparently towards ACL. So... And I mean, the Nationals scored 23 runs the other day, so that that's probably not an issue. But like Adam Eaton's a big part of that team, and, and that's someone that you know, just as big as Syndergaard, losing eight Adam Eaton for the year. Nationals are supposed to be good, and now you lose a key cog like that from running out an infield hit. It's just like I, I don't know what's going on. Maybe they didn't prepare themselves as well as they used to in the past in spring training with conditioning and making sure their bodies in the off season are successful, but. Whoever's getting hurt might want to call Tom Brady because they got to figure this out real quick. Well, yeah, you have, you have those guys. You have Zach Britton got hurt. Miguel Cabrera got hurt. J.D. Martinez got hurt. Logan Forsythe got hurt. Like a ton of guys got hurt. It's crazy. A lot of injuries to, to, to solid players. So it's 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 weird. To talk about the Nationals, though, Ryan Zimmerman is out of his mind. Have you guys seen his numbers? I haven't looked at exact numbers. I know he's, oh my pitching, I know he's phenomenal. but holy Holy crap. Let me tell you. Ryan Zimmerman this year is hitting 420 with 11 homers and 29 RBI. That's a month Whoa. right there. That, that is a month of April right there. That's insane. This guy is out of his mind. He's the number one player in the league right now. I mean, you know, no one's matching those numbers. Can we give some of that to Pablo? Yeah, like <laughs> an eighth of it. Not, yeah, not <laughs> even. I'll take not even an eighth of it. I'll take it. Like, jeez. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, um, that's why the Nationals are good right now. Is that guy? <laughs> yeah, seriously, that, that he's been hitting every baseball in sight. Looks like a beach ball right now to him. He has been he has been raking. Um, so I'm assuming he's going to the All Star game, like unlike everybody <laughs> else. <laughs> um, at this point, yeah, he's going to get voted. Apparently, All Star voting, and I, we're going to go to the predictions in a second. But I, I want to say this because I think this is a problem with the league, and I'll use that as a cheesy segue as much as I can. Apparently, all-star voting is open. I didn't even realize this. And it's open until June 29th. That I knew because they have to go like as late as possible. Why would you vote for someone? It's the end of April. Why can you vote for someone now? And it means that they deserve the all-star game in July. Like, it makes no sense to me. Uh, I mean, I, I absolutely hate the fan voting aspect of it anyway. Like, I don't know why they're opening it May. I don't think it's ever been this early. I don't ever remember it being this early. But it's it's just it's dumb because there's so many injuries, there's so many there's so much can change from now until the end of May, even June. And we see up until the All Star break people pull out, people get injured before the game anyway, so I just there's no reason to be doing it this early. None. 
Yeah, I messaged Lauren about it earlier, and I was like, really? All-Stars? Right now? Are you kidding me? So dumb. Oh, my God. Who cares? It's, it's April. The season just started. We barely even watched baseball. It's been a month. Yeah, it's Why still, like, all-stars? playoff season of, like, other sports. Like, we're yeah. still watching the Celtics in this town. Like, I don't even care about voting for All-Stars okay. yet. The Red Sox barely are a thing in this town right now. Never mind The, le- the for leading all-star. home run hitter in the Red Sox right now is three homers. Why are we talking about the All-Star game? They have three homers. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's so yeah, stupid. I can't believe how early it is. I mean, it makes me hate what, like Lauren said, fan voting, but it makes me not even want to care about the All-Star game, period. Like, just give me the home run derby. Like, if we're already talking about All-Star voting now, it's just going to be, oh, the popular guys, blah, blah, blah. I just, I'm sick of All-Star voting. It's stupid. Fans should have no part of any All-Star voting in any sport. It's ridiculously stupid. And the fact that it starts in May for a season that starts in April makes zero sense no and it's just it's the way they get the people to pad the stats for the mike trouts and all those guys and the, the popular players who don't might not deserve it but still get in it's, it's those type of voting that starts now that will, will screw some young kid in who has a hot you know month and a half leading into it it doesn't get in because the voting started so early and it's a fan vote so he won't no one knows who he is but a writer would put him in or some member like you know what i mean so it's Fan voting stupid. I've never liked fan voting, and, and starting it now makes it even worse. Um, but we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that when it gets even closer to the All-Star, when, when we deserve to talk about it. Um, let's get to predictions before we get out of here for the week. Uh, this week's four against the Orioles, three against the Twins. Um, Orioles are at home. Twins are on the road. Obviously, one was already played, including that game, though. Uh, we did make these predictions before this game was over. So, um, Jess, against the Orioles... Me and you were actually similar all week, it looks like. But uh, how do you have them faring against Baltimore? <laughs> you copycat. Yeah, um, I have a split. Two out of two. Uh, two out of four. Two and two. Yeah. Um, I was, I mean, honestly, when I was looking at it, I was thinking the two wins would be Porcello and Sale. But, you know, they don't score runs for those guys. So maybe that won't happen. But 0-1 so far, so i got to go 2 and two when we're on the rest of the series. Um, the Orioles are playing really well, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was a lose three out of four, but I'm going to split. Hopefully they can salvage a couple of these games after the loss tonight. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of going pretty optimistic against Baltimore, even after the loss tonight. Uh, Good luck. Three in a row. I know. They're gonna, they have to win the next three because I'm taking the three out of four from Baltimore, and uh, I'll be there Wednesday, so I'm going to give Baltimore another shot. Shocking, I'll be at a Red Sox game, guys. Seriously. But, Seems like every week we're talking about your baseball game. I think I've been every week since the season started, but... I'll start voting. Even on the the road. So, I mean, come on now. You've been everywhere. Yeah, so this is... I think think I'm going to bring them some luck on Wednesday, but I think it's sometimes... I just feel like it just kind of clicks against against Baltimore, against American League teams. Um, I just... I hope they can keep the, the... this whole rivalry thing under control. It seems like, like nothing's going to happen, but all it takes is one pitch, one play. So, but I think they're going to, they're going to rally and they're going to win the next three from them. I'm going to stop making errors then. Uh, oh, that too. Seriously. <laughs> maybe, maybe score some more runs. Um, I have them, I have them swimming with Baltimore too. I just think that in a, in a four game series, I mean, I, I think they'll be lucky to split <laughs> the way they've been hitting the baseball and the way Baltimore has been playing. But, um, and now that Zach Britton's coming back, who knows? But, um, I do have them splitting. I have them sweeping the Twins just because it's the, the, the Twins. Um, and I, and I but think they they're scored, gonna... they scored 24 runs in their last three games. Their last I guess, four games. I guess, but it's just still the Twins to me. And I and I think coming off this series against Baltimore, they're gonna they're gonna need some 
they're gonna need some lift. Um, and look, I mean, I think they're gonna do okay against Baltimore. I don't think they're gonna get smoked by any means, now, like really any of these games, like big time. But um, I, I don't know. I just think they're gonna use that and go five and two. All right. I mean, I like I like the uh, the optimism of five and two week. Um, again, going going against you guys, and I I'm gonna say lose two out of three from to Minnesota. Um, I know it's the twins, but they have similar records to the Red Sox. And like I said, they've scored 24 runs over the last few games. So their offense is clicking while ours is struggling. So I just kind of don't really have a good feeling about that, but I overall four and three weeks, so above 500. So sounds good to me still. Yeah. I think a uh, sweep of the twins as well. I know they're playing pretty well uh, at this point, like we said, but I think the Sox will be angry about not scoring runs and not playing well against Baltimore, uh, especially if they lose three out of four, which hopefully they don't. But uh, I think they'll be angry, and they're going to stomp into Minnesota, pressures off some road games in Minnesota, and I think feel pretty good about that. So I'm going sweep of the Twins, five and two week. Um, so smart move on Jared's part to uh, to say the same thing as me because I get these right pretty frequently, and uh, you could too. Jess is pretty right. So, you know, he has a system in place and whatever is going on in his mind. So, hey, um, it makes sense. No, no, I did not copy you. But um, <laughs> that being said, um, you're smart. Hope, That's what you're hope, right. Hopefully. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> a good week. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, right. I have that in the recording, thankfully. Um, <laughs> good, good week for the Red Sox ahead. Hopefully, um, obviously, tough start with the uh, loss to the Orioles here on Monday. We'll be back next week, of course. Uh, this episode was brought to you by our good friends uh, at ZipRecruiter. Start using ZipRecruiter for free now by going to ZipRecruiter.com backslash sportsfan. Also, Audible. Go to Audible.com backslash try now for a free audiobook and a free 30-day trial. Of course, you're listening to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you so much. Um, please, please keep sharing the word and getting us out there. Um, also on Twitter, it's at RedSox underscore beat. Facebook is Red Sox Beat Podcast, uh, of course, at CLNS Media, um, as well as start CLNS fans on Facebook. Um, for Jess Thomas and Lauren Campbell, I am Jared Scali. This has been Red Sox Beat. We'll be back next week. Until then, enjoy Red Sox baseball, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.